Welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to talent experts around the world, covering workforce management, market trends, technology, and a forever evolving dynamic industry. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Subject to Talent. I'm your host, Frank Edge. Today, we're digging into a trending topic on the minds of workforce and business leaders and professionals alike, resilience. We'll look at why it's important, how we can cultivate it amongst ourselves and others, and how 2020's legacy of learning to navigate uncertainty is shaping how organizations are hiring, planning, and assessing talent moving forward. My colleague, Holly Jimenez, will be talking with Steve Tolan, Director of Business Development for Contingent Workforce Solutions for Allegis Global Solutions in APAC. Steve brings 17 years of experience in recruiting and workforce solutions. In addition to sharing insights into the major shifts in mindsets happening across the industry right now, he'll share how the challenges of 2020 propelled him on a new personal journey in 2021. Let's listen in. Thank you for joining us today for the Allegis Global Solutions Subject to Talent podcast. Today, I'm here with Steve Tolan, or Stolen as we know him, Business Development Director for AGS APAC. My name is Holly Jimenez, Senior Bid Manager for AGS APAC. Steve, we like to start all our podcasts off by learning about how you got into this industry. What brought you to recruitment? Hey, Holly. Well, like most people, uh, I didn't plan on uh, getting into the industry. It wasn't planned at all, and here I am in my 17th year. So I guess the phrase is, once you're in, uh, you know, there's no turning back. But uh, I guess my, my story starts with, uh, I left school and started my career in a family-owned business, uh, import and export and seafoods that was based out of my hometown in Liverpool in the UK. I start, so I started running a business quite early in life, um, learned a lot about business development, a lot about sales, you know, building relationships. And it required a really hard work ethic. So I was up uh, early every morning, starting work at 6 a.m. And, you know, for me in 2005, um, it was time for a change. And for a number of reasons, uh, I subsequently left my hometown and decided to have a bit of a change of scene. So went and spent some time with my sister who lived in southwest of England, down in Devon. And um, yeah, one day I walked into a recruitment office, uh, a local office, to pick up some casual work. Uh, I'd just written my first CV and they asked me if I'd ever considered recruitment. And I've got to be honest, I didn't know too much about the actual industry. All I heard was hard work, sales, building relationships, and yeah, the rest is history. So a week turned into a month, a month turned into a couple of years. And my first job in recruitment saw me driving a, a minibus around the English Riviera as I was working as an account manager for a local council contract. So picking up everything from refuse loaders to litter pickers, etc., And I had to start at 4 a.m. in the morning to make sure everyone was, was down on site for kind of 5.30. So that was my kind of baptism of fire into the recruitment industry. Love it, Steve. Um, so uh, from my perspective, uh, after uni, I did the traditional Australian thing of packing up and moving to London and living in the luxury of a multi-person share house. Um, But I got a really interesting job working in the public grants sector where my job was uh, assessing funding applications for a wide variety of arts and science projects. I did that for a few years and then after returning to Sydney, I took some of the project management skills I'd learned from that and started working in the recruitment sector. 
But then we saw um, where my two skill sets of writing and project management could really come to the fore, and that was in bid management. And pretty much the rest is history. I'm 12 years into doing bids now. I joined AGS in 2017, and I've been fortunate enough to manage bids across nearly every aspect of the recruitment industry. So it's been a great ride so far. Pleasure working with you. So, Steve, 2020, how much did we love it? Um, I'm kidding, obviously. Look, Australia's been really fortunate in managing our COVID numbers, but we also had to live through a number of snap lockdowns to get to this point. Um, So after the year that we've had, how has the pandemic impacted you personally? How did you cope? Yeah, it's a great question to kick off. I mean, the honest answer is it was tough um, to spend so much time at home, you know, at home with the family, you know, homeschooling, lockdowns, etc. It was it was really tough, and I was really glad to see the end of the year for sure, as I'm sure many people were. Um, I guess for us, we tried to keep our daily routines as best we could. You know, getting out and about, exercising where possible. But it was a very strange year, and you know, from a personal perspective, being you know an extrovert, a people person, I found it really tough. You know, being away from friends, work colleagues, etc. So. It was it was tough to get through the year. Um, you know, the one thing that I guess when I look back, we were kind of holding on for, you know, the Christmas break. And just when we thought 2020 had you know, shown us everything, you know, where I live in Sydney's Northern Beaches, there was a little outbreak again on the 17th of December. So we ended up in a, you know, quick snap lockdown. And that was, uh, you know, it wasn't the Christmas break that I'd expected. So it was a tough year and certainly tested many people, you know, mentally, you know, resilience, etc. But on the flip side to that, I do consider myself quite fortunate to live in Australia. You know, when I look at other parts of the world, you know, we, we've we've come away in a really fortuitous position. So whilst we certainly had a rough 2020, I, I do consider myself again, quite fortunate to be, you know, to call Australia home. Absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, we've had to see how our personal lives have reacted to all this change, but also, you know, the markets in the industry has gone through it along with everyone at the same time. Can you share some observations of how the markets have reacted and responded to everything that's happened in the last year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the honest, well, how I'd actually describe it is, is that the industry was shaken um, from both a client and a supplier perspective, you know, the uncertainty kicked in and that wasn't good for anybody. You know, from a personal perspective, the, the key fundamentals of business developments are, you know, meeting face to face, you know, building relationships, building rapport, and, and that just couldn't happen. So very quickly overnight, we all had to adapt to connecting virtually, you know, using Teams, using, you know, Skype meetings, and Zooms, whatever it was to actually interact. And it happened literally overnight. So, you know, when you look at the recruitment requirements, we saw a hit on permanent volumes, probably no surprise in that one. Um, contract to spend remained fairly consistent. We didn't see growth um, in the contractor space, but what we did see was that many organizations, you know, still needed to function. And with such a resilience or reliance, I should say, on contingent workforce, we saw the the volumes kind of remain quite steady. Um, but there was always a free, almost a freeze in many ways as the industry put the brakes on. And what we certainly saw moving into kind of Q2 was that people were taking stock and, and really trying to figure out, you know, whether we'd hit the peak, whether we were over the peak. And that was the uncertainty that I was um, I was kind of referenced earlier. So it was certainly a, 
you know, a very interesting year and, and one that I hope uh, we don't have to repeat. Absolutely. I think, you know, as we've seen the pandemic unfold, it's accelerated transformation in the job landscape. We've gone places in six months that might previously have taken us three years. Um, what I do think is interesting that is that Australia in the APAC region has had the opportunity to experience a a glimpse of what normality or post-pandemic normal might look like, give or take the odd lockdown here or there, um, which I think gives our region a unique perspective on where client mindsets are as they look at what their post-COVID operations are going to look like. So with that in mind, what do you think has been the biggest shift in the client's mindset from a pre to a post-pandemic point of view? What I, what I've witnessed, or how I would I guess describe it, is that as we came out of twenty twenty, there's a real curiosity from clients. You know, it was such a a turbulent year um, that everyone is almost kind of come in there with a renewed sense of optimism. But it's a case of hey, let's kind of make up for lost time. So. What I mean by that kind of curiosity is there's a lot of forward thinking approaches. So what we're seeing is organizations saying, okay, let's not try and fix the kind of the here and now, but what do we need to do to be best in class? Let's really you know, future-proof the business. So let's think about how we actually get there as opposed to solving the kind of the here and now. We've seen you know, procurement, HR and TA stakeholders invite us in for workshops. And this has been really interesting where it's a case of, hey, we've had a, you know, a tough year, you know, come in and tell us what the market's up to. Come in, you know, we'll share some information with you around our current state, you know, advisors on things like technology, you know, the current trends, etc. Um, really come in and help us to kind of, you know, to kind of get a roadmap together. Questions such as, you know, how do we find the skills that we need when you're already in a talent short market, you know, is crucial. And that's probably the first question everyone asks, you know, questions such as should we offshore uh, for obvious reasons, you know, cost saving benefits, economies of scale, you know, or should we onshore, you know, should we bring jobs back, you know, where I am, you know, to Australia, that's, it's just been a complete kind of um, flipped question there in terms of what people are looking to do. You know, are we an employer of choice? If not, you know, how do we get there? Um, who are the employers of choice? Again, all formed around the fact of how do we attract the right talent? But another one which has been really specific to the pandemic, which I found quite interesting, was how do we manage a fully contingent workforce virtually? You know, in quite a traditional market where, you know, people in the buildings where you could visibly see them, etc. These were all questions that were just kind of thrown up and organizations had to adapt. Absolutely. Um, that's really interesting insights. I think um, we've also, it's helpful for us to look at this from both angles and what, you know, how about the workforce? What are some of the major shifts in mindset you've seen from candidates in the job market this year? So the, so the, the sentiments or the, uh, I guess, the behaviours that we're seeing early on is that 2021 is going to be a positive year. You know, there is definitely a sense of optimism. Um, you know, we've seen an increase in some of the job postings based on the report and the out. So, the, you know, the early predictions are that it's going to be a positive year. And again, from a mindset perspective, let's be honest, Everyone wanted to just see the back of 2020. I don't think there's any surprise there, you know, no matter what location you're actually in. We've seen a renewed sense of purpose. Um, again, you know, collectively, everyone's experienced the disruption that COVID's had, you know, but organizations still have to operate, you know, and this is a key thing. They need to hire the right skills and the right talent. Absolutely. I think with, um, with what countries can see, how the pandemic is being managed with the onset of the vaccine rollout. There's a lot, there is positivity in the air. Uh, do you think that this resetting of mindsets is leading companies to review their hiring strategies and methodologies? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what I'd say is that we're seeing a real dynamic shift towards, I guess, how an organization will seek advice or support to solve their talent challenges. So, you know, based on some of the discussions that we've had with organizations, you know, stakeholders across procurement, HR, talent acquisition, you know, again, everyone's looking to to really draw knowledge. Okay, so what are you seeing across different sectors, you know, um, different, you know, what what are the trends that we need to, to be aware of to really ensure that we're, you know, not behind the eight ball. And I guess on some of the examples of how I can articulate that is, we've seen the old RFP process uh, be reevaluated. So, you know, these big chunky documents that could be 50 to 100 pages long that would take you weeks and weeks to actually draw out. Holly, I'm sure you can resonate with that. Um, they've been, it's, it's drastically been reduced. So what we are seeing now is clients bringing us in and saying, hey, you know, here's a problem statement or, you know, here's our current state. This is the volumes. What we don't want is for you to say, here's a product, you know, in our space, here's an RPO or here's an MSP. It's go away, have a think and come back and use all your IP, use all your smart people, you know, the technology, et cetera, all, you know, the IP that you have at your, at your disposal and come back and tell us how we can do it better, more efficient. And that's certainly been the, the trend that we've seen here. So most organizations, you know, across banking, um, pharmaceutical, et cetera, technology specifically, the, this is the kind of the approach that they're taking, draw us in. So when you draw that back to what the outcomes or the benefits are that they're looking to achieve, you know, they're really gone back to core fundamental benefits. So cost reduction, you know, reducing implementation time um, to go live time, drastically, you know, reducing everything, which is underpinned by the latest HR technology. Thanks for that. That's really helpful insight. Um, so with all these changes to the modern workplace, where do you see the skill shortages popping up? I think it's the buzzword at the moment, skill shortage. Um, so if you look in your crystal ball, where do you see the biggest gaps? Yeah, skill shortages, um, it's, it's, it's a great question. So I'm going to talk to, you know, our local market because, um, you know, I can reference it and hopefully people can resonate with the example. So here in Australia, um, you know, back in November, we hosted a webinar that was uh, in conjunction with LinkedIn. So we had David Oda, we had Rebecca Horton from Bold HR, and we had our very own Bruce Morton. And it was entitled The Reskilling Revolution. And some of the data that LinkedIn actually shared, it was so insightful that they predicted that by 2025, there were gonna be a million new technology jobs in Australia alone. And in one specific category, there was less than 100,000 of the skilled candidates that were actually here available to actually pick up that role. Um, that's, that's a huge gap. And how do you actually combat that with you know, challenges on you know, bringing people actually in, in and out of the country? You know, it, it's, it's, it's a burning platform. So these are some of the things that we've actually been looking at. And I guess the questions that you should be asking internally is saying, okay, are we analyzing all our different avenues, you know, all our different supply chains? You know, what is our current model? Um, if you don't have... You know, take a look at your existing workforce as well. So, you know, are there people there that might have, you know, 40, 50% of the skills that are required and can actually be upskilled? These are the challenges that we're being thrown by organizations now where they're saying, okay, look, we know that these skills aren't available. You know, how can you help us? So certainly the technology sector is going to be the main one that people are really focusing on. 
And in certain, you know, the skills there that are in demand, probably not a surprise to anyone, but, you know, software development, cloud and data roles, data analytics and machine learning, you know, AI, these are all top of the list. So, you know, people are really going to have to think outside the box. Absolutely. I think um, I think one of the biggest challenges we're going to be facing is the time it's going to take to source this talent. While upskilling is wonderful, if you have an immediate need, we previously looked to it international travel and mobility to facilitate that gap. But with those that being limited so much at the moment, what do organizations need to be focusing on in order to get access to the best talent? Well, simply the first first thing you need to do is take stock of your current state. You know, is your solution fit for purpose? If not, you know, seek advice, you know, whether you've got an incumbent partner, um, look at an external partner, you know, but take advice around what the market's actually doing. That's a key thing. Um, get a firm handle on the candidate market and the supply chain, as I mentioned previously. You know, an easy thing that we highlight is if you're only offering permanent employment, you are missing out on a massive candidate pool, you know, in the contractor population. And as that starts to increase and the utilization does once again, you know, you really are missing out on these key skills. So that is something that you can't ignore. And, you know, are you proactively identifying the skilled candidates that, you know, maybe in your existing talent pools or your workforce that have got the ability to upskill? So these are some of the the kind of the key things that you can focus on to really, you know, make a difference in the short term. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, again, to look at it from the other side, um, technical skills are one thing. We know what we, you know, we know where those gaps are when they when they appear, but we also need people with the right behaviors who can adapt to the changing circumstances that we live in. Um, you know, you can work from anywhere, but you still need visibility of your workforce and you need accountability within that workforce to get the work done. Um, so how can organizations actively manage and motivate their workforce in a fully remote environment? Yeah, well, I think what we learned from 2020 was that working remotely and working virtually works, uh, you know, and it had to happen and it had to work uh, quite quickly. You know, that's something, there's no turning back. So, you know, what we've seen in organizations now looking and going, okay, you know, that wasn't as painful as we thought and it happened. So, you know, again, there's no turning back. So what we've seen are, you know, organizations taking very different approaches. So, you know, some organizations saying, hey, stay at home permanently, you know, flexible flexibility is there for you. We will work around your requirements. You know, you can work from anywhere, which opens up different geographies. You know, these are all phrases that we become more and more accustomed to. There's no right or wrong. You know, I think that's the key thing that you have to look at. So it really is figure out what's best for you, you know, your employees. Um, and again, you know, we're hearing phrases such as hybrid models. So people returning to work on a couple of days, etc. You know, all these things, you, you, you really have to kind of adapt to, again, to meet the kind of the candidate demands. So that's a key thing. What we also see from research is that organizations that are stipulating you must come back to the offices full time, they're going to be at disadvantage. So, you know, again, candidates have got choice here and flexibility is one of the key things that they're looking for. You know, another thing which is quite simple, which is if you're managing a remote workforce is stay connected. You know, people want to talk to people. It's very easy to lose touch. So that's a key thing. You know, you have to stay connected, particularly if, if you're operating as a virtual team. So, you know, that's where the tenacity, the grit um, all really kind of comes into play. But, uh, you know, as simple as picking up a phone. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think um, what we have seen in the last 12 months is human connection is something we all need um, and, you know, you can't really be replaced. Um, and you need that resilience to get through these tough times um, but not lose sight of that connection with one another. So I'm, I'm going to segue just slightly onto the topic of resilience. Um, Steve, 
I heard you recently started on a personal journey for 2021. Could you please share what that is all about? Yeah, for sure. And um, as highlighted earlier, you know, being completely transparent and honest, I, I didn't enjoy major parts of 2020. It was really tough. And as I came into 2021, I really wanted to do something to challenge me, you know, mentally, physically, and put me in the best shape that I've been in for a hell of a long time. So I've signed up to take part in the, in the Corporate Fighter program. And for those that don't know what Corporate Fighter is, it's 12 weeks of intense boxing training, you know, strict diet, no alcohol. Yes, seriously, for those who know me. Um, and I'm already seven kilos, which is kind of 15 pounds down now as we enter into week four of the train. And so I'm pretty happy with where I am at the moment. But w the big reason that I actually wanted to, to push myself on this journey was it's all to raise funds for a, a very important charity. So I'm doing this to raise awareness and funds for the Gunzel Foundation, uh, which is a charity which is run by my, you know, my friend Richard Richard Toms or Tomsey as he's known. Tomsey's a former Wallaby and was a really tenacious uh, player back in his time, but he suffered a life-changing injury in 2018. So now he channels all his energy into seeking a cure for spasticity. So I feel very proud that he allowed me to represent his charity and I'm really looking forward to uh, the rest of the journey. And he's still as resilient and tenacious as ever as he attends my training session. So that's what I've got in store. That's amazing. Um, fantastic. Can you uh, just give me a bit more insight into what triggered you to start this journey and why you decided to develop your resilience and tenacity around such a, a huge challenge? Yeah. And it, when I came into 2021, I kind of felt like I needed a new purpose outside of obviously work and kind of family commitments. You know, what was what was my goal? And this was something that I thought about and I thought, yeah, it's going to meet my goals, which were, you know, physical, mental fitness, for want of a better phrase, as well as the ability to, you know, to do good and give back. So then after I decided that I was going to actually do it, it was really signed on the dotted line. And once I'd done that, there was no turning back. So to give everyone a sense of the commitment, I, I train four nights a week at 8.30 at night, as well as Saturday mornings. So that's five times a week. That doesn't include my conditioning sessions, which are, you know, my, my own accountability. So it's, it's pretty full on. But, um, you know, as I say, coming to the end of my third week and looking at the results already, I'm pretty glad that I actually signed on the dotted line. Awesome. I mean, you know, sitting next to you, I can already see the changing wardrobe that's going to need to take place by the end of this. Um, but I do think reflecting on what we discussed earlier around mindsets, how has this journey impacted you personally and professionally? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. You know, everything's interlinked, right? If you feel good about yourself, you feel positive, you know, the way you carry yourself, your energy, you know, it all translates and, you know, you bring that positive energy into the workplace. So, you know, for me, as I mentioned, I wanted to kick off 2021 in the best, my, my best version of myself. You know, knowing that I'm meeting these targets and I'm on the way to the goal, you know, it enables me to think a lot clearer and not stress so much about the things that are generally out of my control. I spent a lot of time last year thinking about 2020 and COVID, when will this end? And it was a lot of negative energy. You know, when I look at the goals that I've put in place for, for the first quarter of this year, you know, I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to go out and sign up to a 12-week boxing course, but, you know, set yourself some goals because when you start to hit those milestones, your energy, you know, your whole mood, your behavior, you know, it really does lift and, you know, for me, I can already feel it, the positivity, the productivity that I'm bringing back into the workplace. So um, I can't stress enough, you know, go and pick a goal and, you know, you get a good buzz when you start to meet those uh, those milestones. 
Absolutely. And I can vouch. Um, I think it's lifted everybody in the office watching you on this journey as well. And I can, we can see the impact having a tangible goal after a year of so much that's out of everyone's control um, can really have a positive impact on your life. So congratulations on taking up the challenge, Steve. Um, we wish you all the best and we're going to be with you on this journey towards fight night. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to join me on the AGS Subject to Talent podcast today. It was a great chat. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. And as always, I appreciate everything you do for me. So fingers crossed. Who knows? We may get to uh, invite it back to do another one soon. But thank you very much for your time and for speaking with me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. A special thank you to Holly and Steve for sharing their insights on how organizations are shifting their approach to workforce management in 2021 and how the past year has taught us lessons on resilience that we can tap into to power momentum for the coming year. If you'd like to learn more about Allegis Global Solutions, please check us out at allegisglobalsolutions.com. If you have any questions for Steve, feel free to tweet us at Allegis Global with the hashtag subject to talent. Also, you can email us at subjecttotalent at allegisglobalsolutions.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us and leave a review. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.